0: If you have your Bible with you today, uh, go ahead and find a couple of passages of Scripture if you would. Uh, one is going to be in the Old Testament and the other in the New. And if uh, for some reason you don't have uh, your Bible with you today, the passages will be up on the uh, screen here in just a second. Uh, I want you to turn first to uh, Psalm 1, the very first one, and we're going to look at one verse out of that. And then the New Testament passage is going to be the uh, book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, and we're going to start reading in verse 14 in a little bit. Psalm 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now today's message is going to be uh, kind of a continuation of last week's message, but there's going to be kind of a counterbalance to it, uh, because uh, I, I talked last week about uh, whose friend are you? And today, it's, you remember old Paul Harvey used to talk about, and now you're going to hear... The rest of the story and this is going to be kind of the rest of the story about what the Bible talks about as far as friendship goes now just by way of reminder last week when we looked at this we looked at uh, the call of Levi or Matthew to uh, to ministry remember uh, the Bible records that Jesus was walking along and he saw Matthew sitting in a tax booth because he was a tax man and he called Matthew to follow him so Matthew got up left his lucrative job and followed Jesus full-time, went around with him, saw all the miracles that he did, uh, heard all the things he was teaching. But before uh, he really went into the full-time ministry, I guess you'd say, uh, the Bible says that he threw a big banquet at his house, and the people that he invited were not the religious people. They were not people from the religious establishment. Instead, they were uh, what you might call the dregs of society. They were tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, uh, scoundrels, uh, maybe some politicians in there, uh, immoral people, just just crooks overall. And so Jesus attended this and he ate freely with them. And when the religious people saw this, it made them pretty mad. Uh, they they couldn't they couldn't understand why Jesus would associate with people like that, with what they would consider low lives. I mean, how could he? How could he bear to come in contact with such unscrupulous people? So Jesus defended himself. And in going to the least of these, he gave us a good example of what we should be doing as well, and that is going to all people and, uh, and, and befriending them just as he did. Now, I challenged you last week to keep, uh, keep your eyes open for uh, people in your own life that were marginalized, people that were on the fringes, people that maybe uh, other church folks weren't, weren't willing to talk to and to befriend them. Now, today I'm going to look at the other side of that coin because the Bible presents a balanced view here. And so uh, that's what I want us to look at today. So if you found Psalm 1, uh, please stand with me as uh, in honor of God's word. We'll read one verse out of this, and then before we sit down, we'll flip over to the New Testament and read uh, some words that Paul says. Psalm 1 and verse 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. And now I want you to keep your place there, but turn over to 2 Corinthians 6. And we're going to pick up in verse 14 and reach to the end of the chapter. Paul says, Do not be bound together, or your Bible may say unequally yoked, with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell on them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Thank you. You may be seated. Now we've already talked about this uh, first point a little bit, so I'm not going to spend very much time here at all. Uh, but I, I do want to reiterate: we should be friends with non-Christians. Every Christian should have non-Christian friends. Now, why is this such an important idea? Well, one of the reasons it's so important is because think, of the, think about the people that Jesus was able to reach when He went and He sat down to eat at Matthew's house. I mean, here are people who were, who were not going to be able to, not going to be reached. By folks in the synagogue, he reached people that would not have been uh, reached at the synagogue because these people, some of them, a lot of them probably didn't have any, uh, uh, didn't really have any use for the synagogue. You know, a lot of people that are outside the church, uh, they don't go to church for a reason. Maybe they've had something happen to them in the past. Uh, maybe they just don't see it as important. But, but whatever the reason is, they just don't go. And, and it was likely uh, the case with these folks back then. But also, many of them, including the tax collectors, were either officially excommunicated or all but excommunicated. And so, so the synagogue doors were locked to these people uh, in a manner of speaking. And so by going to them, Jesus was able to reach people that never would have heard the gospel otherwise. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? You know, I, I read the Great Commission... And there's, what's the very first word? Go. Jesus says go. He says we're supposed to go out, but a lot of churches and a lot of Christians have turned that on its head, and we think that people should come. Isn't that what we believe? People should come into our church. People should come to our event. People should come and, and hear the preacher. People should come and, and, and go to this performance or whatever it is. And, and we think that people should come, but that is not their job. Our job is to go. That is what our commission is. And that's what Jesus called us to do. That's what his example was set to do. And so he went and he befriended those that were on the outside. So Christians should have friends that are not Christians. But the balance of that is that Christians should not be close friends with people that are unsaved. Christians should not be close friends or intimate friends with the unsaved. Now, I want you to look at the first psalm again. It's, it's become one of my favorites in, uh, in the last few years. And it shows the character of somebody who's living a blessed life. And in, in doing so, it's given us kind of a dire warning about the type of people that we uh, should not be having in our inner circle, I guess you'd say. And I want you to notice, look at verse 1 again. He says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the seat of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So, he talks out by, uh, by having two people in view. There's the blessed man and the unblessed man. And they do two different things. The blessed man doesn't do these certain things. The unblessed man does them. So, what is it that the unblessed man does that we should not do? Well, first you'll notice it says that he walks in the counsel of the ungodly. He walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, uh, when he talks about walking, it means that he's listening to, he's giving heed to, un- <clears throat> excuse me, ungodly counsel. So who is the ungodly person that's given this counsel? Well, the Bible, the word that, uh, that the Bible uses here, the ungodly, is a person who's uh, kind of apathetic towards religion. They don't really have any use for religion. They're, they're not really uh, against it. They just don't really see it as being too important. They're unconcerned with matters of eternity. And they counsel people. They encourage people around them to do what they're doing. You ever known somebody that they don't go to church, you tell them that you do, and they say, you mean you go to church? Why on earth do you do that? Or something to that effect. Those, those, that's the type of attitude uh, that's being spoken of here. It's, it's a person that doesn't necessarily do good, but they're not really doing a lot of bad stuff. They're not really doing a bunch of evil. And so they counsel people to join them in their apathy. They influence people to be unconcerned about, about the things of God. And notice the posture of, of the man in, in verse 1. He is walking with the ungodly. He's walking in their ways. He's spending time with them, but it's easy enough to part ways. If I'm walking next to somebody and they start going a way I don't like, it's not too tough for me to go a different way. But then after he spent some time with them, he's gotten comfortable being around that type of person, that type of mentality. Then what does he start doing? He starts standing in the path of sinners. And you say, now, Pastor, what about for all of sin? Well, yeah, everybody is sinned. That's not... That's not the way the Bible is using this, um, this word here because the word that's being used has the idea of transgression. It has the idea of God has drawn a line in the sand and said, don't go any further than this, and the sinner, the one who transgresses, says, oh, here's the line. I'll just step right over it. Maybe they'll run past that line. It's like if, if you tell a kid, don't go past this line right here, what do they do? Stick that toe out there, right? Maybe they'll step out there. They, they want to push to see how far they can go. That's transgression. <coughs> so the ungodly person is one who doesn't necessarily do good, the sinner is one who actively does evil. Okay, see, there's a progression here. And notice the posture again of this, of this uh, unblessed man. First he was walking, now what's he doing? He's standing. Now he's not so quick to part ways. Now he's spending more time with them. Now he's getting more comfortable uh, with them and their way of thinking. He's getting more comfortable with that type of living. And the final warning is about uh, what he calls sitting in the seat of scoffers. Now the scoffer is like the worst descriptor in this verse. It's a subtle progression. It looks subtle to us, but, but when you think about it, there's this progression. First you have somebody... Doesn't doesn't do good, but they're not really getting into the bad stuff. Then you have somebody that's a little further down the line, and not only do they not do good, but they're getting into some bad stuff. The scoffer is the person who is, um, he, he doesn't have any use for God, and he mocks God. He mocks the things of God. Uh, he he mocks heaven and hell, morality, the cross, salvation, all that stuff. He ridicules. And again, notice the posture of this person. He is sitting in the seat of scoffers. He's confirmed in his impiety, as one of the old authors said. Uh, He's he's happy with where he's at. The psalmist says, if you want to be blessed by God, you better better pay careful attention to who it is that you have in your inner circle. Now, I did Hapkido for a long time, and one of the things that we did in Hapkido at the very beginning was we'd have a, a devotional. And... The the sensei, uh, we had a lot of kids in the class, and this is one of the things he just kept hammering over and over again. Kids, you need to pay attention. Young people need to pay attention to who it is you're running around with. And probably all of us as adults would say, ain't that the truth? Because we can look back to our days in school, our days as teenagers, and say, man, if if I hadn't been hanging around that person, I wouldn't have gotten into this trouble. If I, you know, this person was always, they, they were always getting into something, and I was with them, and, you know, uh, sometimes I didn't even do much of anything, and, and I got in trouble because of what they were doing. And we as adults look in, at them and say, yeah, that's what you need to do, but this applies to us too. We need to pay attention to who we have in our inner circle, in our circle of friends, because if you have the ungodly, if you have the sinners, if you have scoffers that influence you, that they give advice and you listen to, if you have those in your inner circle, you're asking for trouble. Because they're going to lead you down the wrong path. They're going to influence you the wrong way. And there are a lot of Christians who run around with people that fit into one of these three categories. Maybe maybe they run around with people who are scoffers. Maybe because they just like their personality, they overlook their lack of morality. But let me tell you, if you are a Christian and you have gotten comfortable hearing God mocked, there's something wrong there. So think about think about your friends. Think about your close friends especially. Do those people that you have in kind of your inner circle, are they people that encourage you? Are they people that build up your faith? Are they people that encourage and help your walk with God? Are they people that hinder it? Because we have enough uh, we have enough people trying to tear us down. We need folks around us to help build us up. We need people to walk alongside us. So the first thing... Uh, that we see in Psalm 1 is uh, don't have non-believers as being your close friends but Paul goes even further than that so if you look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in verse 14 he says do not be bound together or unequally yoked with unbelievers now when you hear that I bet I know the the only relationship you thought of marriage because that's the only way we apply it today isn't it don't be unequally yoked and it applies to marriage believers should not marry an unbeliever but it is not restricted to that especially in the context Paul is saying that Christians don't don't have as your close companion somebody that's an unbeliever Now the image that he draws from and is is from the book of Deuteronomy and in the book of Deuteronomy God tells the Israelites don't yoke two unlike animals together. Now a lot of people look at that and they say well that's true, you know that's so outdated, that's just kind of a bizarre I mean, why is God saying that? Because if you look at it, this is this is the imagery that Paul is pulling from. He says in the book of Deuteronomy don't yoke a donkey and an ox together. You say what? I mean a donkey and an ox, okay, they're both used in agricultural things back then. They had to use them as draft animals and and pack animals and different things. Why is it such a big deal? And you guys know what a yoke is, right? If you've ever played Oregon Trail, you remember, they're walking along, you got the oxen, and then you, there's that little thing going across their, uh, their, their necks. That wooden beam that goes across, has the loop, that's a yoke. And so, uh, so, what's the big deal? Because the law, the Old Testament law said a donkey was unclean, but an ox was clean. And God says, don't have those two yoke together. And Paul is drawing from that, and he says, believers and unbelievers, the clean and the unclean, uh, the saved and the unsaved, should not be yoked together. Why? Because think about a yoke. If two animals are yoked together, there's not very much space between them, right? They're close. And let's say that animal A decides, I'm going to go off into that field. What happens to animal B? He's going off in that field too, isn't he? Now, especially if maybe it's just he, maybe he just goes a little bit off to the side, but he's strong enough to kind of pull him back. If it's a big strong animal, and the other one he might go way off out there. Maybe, maybe they're about equal in strength, but what happens? That one keeps pulling. Eventually, that. Animal B that was going in a straight line, he's starting to veer off to the side. And not just a little bit at first, but it just keeps happening further and further and further. He goes to the right or to the left. It's like a car that gets a little bit out of alignment. You take your hands off the steering wheel, what happens? He goes off to the side. He goes off to the other side. And so uh, so Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. Don't be. Don't have as your close companion somebody who's an unbeliever. Why? Because they're going to they're going to influence you. They're going to lead you. They're going to draw you off to the side, away from where you should be going. So, does it talk about marriage? Yeah. It, it's foolishness to think that a believer and an unbeliever, people who are uh, come from totally different places spiritually speaking, are are going to be able to walk side by side throughout life. It's not going to happen. But it also has to do with friendships. It has to do with business dealings. If they're not head the same person, same way you are. You're asking for trouble, so don't do it. Now, Paul gives a list of reasons if you look at uh, verse 14 and, and following. He gives a list of reasons why this shouldn't happen. He says, What partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light and darkness? What harmony has Christ with Belial, and that's like a Jewish term for the devil? What believe, uh, and what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? What he's saying is the two are incompatible. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. And there's a fundamental difference in the worldview. There's a difference in the way they make decisions. There's a difference in the way they conduct themselves. And if you yoke yourself to one of those types of people, you're headed for disaster. So don't have that type of person as your close friend. Don't do it. So now we have some tension, don't we? Here we have Jesus who sets the example for us that says... Be friends with them, but then we have this other teaching, both in the Old and New Testaments, which says, "You know what? You better pay attention to who your friends are." How do we resolve this tension? Well, I think there's some. I think there's some. Uh, it would be good to have some guidelines, and I, I have three things. They're not inspired, but they came from in, inspired scripture. Okay, and I, I think these are an accurate summation of what the Bible teaches. Uh, the first principle is: don't partake of other men's sins. Don't partake of other men's sins. Now, it should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway. There are certain things that you as a Christian should not do. That's pretty, I mean, that, that's pretty easy to understand, right? There are certain things that are off limits. Now, now, the Bible, there are certain things that are obscure, that are kind of cloudy, maybe it's a gray area, that we look at it and we say, well, you know, you understand it this way, but I understand it this way. It's a secondary issue. Let's agree to disagree. It's okay. We can all just get along. But there are certain things that are black and white. And I'm talking about the black and white things. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about idolatry, immorality, fornication, pride, greed, lust, deception, lying. All these things the Bible says don't do those things. We as Christians don't have that as an option. We can't do it. Therefore, if we're running around with somebody, we have somebody that's a a friend that's doing those things, don't do those things with them. Don't partake in their sins. Now again, I'm not saying don't have anything to do with people who do those things. Paul said if you avoided everybody that did all this bad stuff, you'd have to go out of the world altogether. That's not practical. We can't do that. But what I'm saying is we must not participate in those things with the unsaved. So for instance, let's say you're involved in a business deal. There's somebody... Uh, that you work with, somebody that's on your team, that's a real liar. I mean, they, everything they say is a lie, it seems like. And they're real deceptive when it comes to uh, this business deal. You don't, you don't partake in their sins. You don't lie. It's up to you as a Christian to be honest. You be truthful. You have integrity. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 22 says... Don't partake of other men's sins. It says it quite explicitly. So you can associate with people, but not in their sinful things. Second thing, show kindness and respect to all. Show kindness and respect to all. What I mean is, whether or not a person is a believer has nothing to do with respect or not. Sometimes, and I see this online a lot, and I think part of it is just because it's the Internet. You know, there will be some article, news article, about something going on. And there will be, it will have something to do with Christians. And somebody will make some derogatory statement or whatever. And people who claim to be Christians are terrible to people who come from the other, uh, the other side of whatever issue it is. Listen, the Bible says, First Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Honor all people. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king is what it says. So whether or not a person is a Christian doesn't matter as far as kindness and respect goes because the unsaved person is created in the image of God just like the Christian is. And the last thing, and this is kind of a restatement of my last point, that is don't have intimate friends where you could not talk about and live out your faith openly. Don't have intimate friends where you could not Talk about and live out your faith openly. I really enjoy being a pastor. One of the things I really enjoy about it is seeing people squirm. Because I've talked to people and and we'll be having a conversation and then they'll find out I'm a pastor, and then they think they go, Oh, oh and then they think, Oh, what have I just gotten through saying? And I can see it, and it's been like that for years, and I can see it on their face. They're thinking, What have I just said? Man, he's he's a preacher. I, oh, that's not. I, I can't believe I said that to a preacher. You know, and it, it's it's just kind of funny, and I don't I don't think anything of it. But it's just funny to watch people squirm like that. But haven't you ever been around people that you know? Not not saying maybe you're not a pastor, but you, you mention God, you know, all of a sudden the conversation gets real tense. You ever been like that? Or maybe there's a group of people. you're sitting around a table and everybody's laughing and having a good time and you say something about church and all of a sudden everybody's like oh uh, uh, they don't even know where to go and if you have people like that 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 maybe they're hostile towards your faith that you you don't feel at liberty to talk about God, uh, you don't feel that you can live out your Christian principles maintain them Maybe they encourage you to break the laws of God or break the laws of man sometimes. They're trying to pull you off to doing stuff that you know that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, You better not have those people as close friends. You can be friends with them, but not close friends. Otherwise, you're going to end up like that person in Psalm 1 who's going right down that, that path. He's walking, then he's standing, and then he's sitting. Folks, I don't know of a much more practical topic than... Who you're friends with? If you're if you are a Christian, do you have only Christians as your friends? And a lot of us would say, yeah, for the most part. Uh, maybe maybe we work with people and we're friendly with them at work, uh, but really we're not friends with them, and they're not Christians. And so we we you know maybe we can count them as a friend. But a lot of Christians, they're they're real good. They're they're friends are all Christians. If you are a Christian, you don't have any non-Christian friends, you need to expand your pool a little bit. For a very practical reason, if for nothing else, they might not go to church. Probably don't if they're not a Christian. How are they going to hear about Jesus if you don't tell them? If you don't show them with your life? Or maybe you're a Christian, you have all kinds of friends. Maybe they're Christians and non-Christians. But you've got close friends that are kind of pulling you off to the side. If, if that's the case, you need to distance yourself from them. I'm not saying you can't be friends, but you shouldn't be close friends. You know, there are some people, and this is just a, a fact of life, there are some people that really we can show kindness and respect to them, but truth be told, it would be better if we uh, didn't have a lot of dealings with them. And I'm just saying that because we all... I mean, Jesus could be around anybody, and he, he wasn't going to sin. I mean, it's Jesus, right? But none of us are Jesus. Sometimes we have the same besetting sin as somebody else, and boy, when we get together, we get into this area, and they got the same weakness, and, and all of a sudden we're off doing something we're, we know we're not supposed to do. There are certain people in, in life, uh, you know, be kind to them, show them respect, but um, you have to have wisdom as well. Whose friend are you? Why don't you stand with me as musicians come? Nancy, stand. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in, in the quiet of this time, I want you to consider who your friends are. We have a lot of acquaintances, maybe willingly, maybe we're just real outgoing, maybe unwillingly, just because of our jobs, situation, or whatever. We just come into contact with a lot of people. But I'm talking even closer relationships with, than that. Who are your friends? When somebody mentions a person's name, do you say, oh, yeah, I know that person, or, oh, yeah, I'm friends with that person? Who are your friends? And then who's the inner circle of that? Who are your close friends? Because we have a balance. Maybe you need to make some decision about some friend that you have, some friendship, some relationship that you have, and maybe, it, maybe, you need to, uh, maybe you need to build that up. Maybe you need to put more effort into building something up. Maybe you need to be more intentional about some friendship. Or on the other hand, you might need to scale something back a little bit. This sermon has been geared to Christians. But I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that God loves you. And if you have never been saved, if you've never become a Christian, if you've never repented of your sins, God wants you to do that today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you don't know how to do that, come on down front, grab me after the service, and I'd be happy to tell you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you to help each of us to be intentional in our witness for you. To uh, to not see people as being outside the scope of your love because we know that that's not the case. And therefore, they should not be out the, outside the scope of our love. Help us also have wisdom in who it is that we closely associate with, who it is that we have as... Find those counselors, those confidants, the people that we hang out with at school or at work. Help us have godly people that will influence us, build us up, and move us in the right direction. God, there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ. I ask that you would uh, work on their hearts and let them know that that's what they need to do today. In Jesus' name. Amen.